All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Can you see it? Did you The puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! A moment's notice, Adam's To the line, Hughes, scores! Here, like I don't, I don't cover the Canucks. Yeah. I cover Quinn Hughes and what he's doing to the Canucks. Just wave the guy and get Demko involved. I wanted them in and down Wow, we should do a radio show together. <laughs> right on. I want to fist bump you right now. Pearl steals, cutting in, shoots, scores. Don't waste all the good stuff on the off air. Let's go. Hello Canucks fans, welcome back to another episode of Canucks Conversation presented by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing. My name is David Quadrelli and thank you for joining us this week for episode 62. 
Joining me now is my co-host, that's pretty weird to say, the man who built this house, Chris Faber. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Doing great, man. It's uh, weird to be introed on my, my, I guess, not my own show anymore, but the show that I started, like you mentioned. It's uh, You did a good job in the intro, man. I don't know if you had as much pop as I do with the Hello Canucks fans, but that was good. I might have to do another take next week, but for now, we'll, that'll do, that'll do. And yeah, like I said, man, this is the house you built. This is awesome, and uh, it's, it's an honor to be your co-host and actually like driving the conversation in this episode. So let's just jump right into it. We're recording this on Friday evening. It'll be out Saturday morning. The Canucks just had a game against the first place Arizona Coyotes. Well, you got to talk about that because you went as a fan for the first time I since did. your Bosford night, I right? I went as a fan. I did. I wore a jersey, and it was, it was a wonderful experience, I have to say. And you know what? I even cheered a little. I'm not. I was never much of a cheer. I'm not someone who likes to high five other people. If you go for a <laughs> high five, I'll be that guy that oh, doesn't man. give you one back. Cause I like, am that guy. Like I think the last game we were at, there was a couple older ladies in front of us, and uh, we ended up buying them some wine, sending some wine down to those ladies, and then like second intermission comes around and we get Mike's hard coming our way. It was a great combination. But I know you're not a drinker, but when you go, like uh, when I go as a fan, uh, which is every single time, I don't have, I don't go as a media member, but when I go as a fan. Go there to have quite a few drinks and have a good time. But uh, I know you don't drink. Or do you go there and just crush pop the whole time? Or guess what's what my snack? beverage of choice is. Uh, just take a guess. Do they have Italian soda there or no? Oh no, no. <laughs> you'll 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 know once once you when you'll know you'll know. Think Pepsi. about it. No, it's water. water. I just get a bottled water and oh, I man. go right there. I'm the what does hydrated that cost you guy. In the arena like four bucks. It's <laughs> like right. unbelievable. But you know what? Yeah, I. Uh, I got to get me a Canuck water, man. Well, that was Every a big night. game, too, and you were in attendance. I know that uh, it's a little bit different watching a game in person than it is on TV. What were some of the things you saw in the game? Well, holy Look cow. at me. I'm already taking over the host. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, we got to talk about Brandon Sutter. That's the first thing that I was going to intro us into is Brandon Sutter, man. It's his return to the lineup, and he played great. He was awesome on that fourth line. And you know what? It's crazy to see. The fourth line actually spent some time in the offensive zone last night, and it yeah. feels like this whole month of December and early into January, we haven't seen that. We haven't seen the fourth line play in the offensive zone at all they can't generate offense they're always in the defensive zone and they get to the red line and, yeah boys we got that puck <laughs> in deep we just gave them possession but it's okay like we did our job yeah but this game it was great and you know i was with the person i was with i said i said to her right away i said uh yeah this is the canuck shutdown line they don't do much they don't score <laughs> so uh don't get your hopes up. And then there was the goal that was overturned. Um, Jay Beagle scored it after Tyler Mott brought it in. It was offside, but you know it was pretty cool because that right after I said that that happened. So yeah, I had people on Twitter being like, "Okay, now say we never win a draft lottery. Okay, now say <laughs> we never win the cup." Even though that one again is pretty painful to say out loud. But uh, yeah, it, it was a great game, and Brandon Sutter he had a great game as well. Yeah, I, I like what that fourth line does with Brandon Sutter in that spot. And you know, Brandon Sutter's had a pretty good start to the season. I mean, if you saw what he's doing, aside from getting injured, like when he's actually playing hockey, he's been actually pretty effective. Whether you know he's playing on the wing with Jay Beagle or for a while there, he's playing center. Thank God he's not now. It's nice, you know. And thank God, kind of pun intended there, because Godet's taken over that third line spot. But when Brandon Sutter's playing on that line, he is like like I like Brandon Sutter when he's in that role. I like Brandon Sutter when he's using that role. Maybe I don't like having Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter so much in this lineup together because they're taking up a lot of money and they're playing a role that you know is is something that you don't really want to have a lot of money invested in. Is that fourth line? But when they're playing together and Tyler Mott, I've actually really liked Tyler Mott's game over the last little bit. I think he's skating very well. He's firing the shot. He was the only one on that fourth line that was taking shots throughout this whole month, like you mentioned. And Jay Beagle's winning so many damn faceoffs. It, it kind of sets up for a good situation with Sutter because when he's coming back into the lineup and he's just missed so many games with injury and it seems like he can't stay healthy any of these years here. If he's playing in a fourth line role, with Jay Beagle, I think that's a spot where he likes to play in. I think that's a spot that he's used to playing in. 
And, you know, we don't, we're not asking him to be a second line center, or even a third line center anymore. And I think that they can thrive in that fourth line and, you know, actually have some depth there. Now that you're taking Tim Schaller out of the lineup and he's going to be the extra forward, like maybe you can rotate some stuff around and see what works best. Yeah, I definitely like Sutter in that role. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to talk about a guy in the minors a little bit later. And, you know, I've been telling you all day how much I want to talk about this guy. And we were just watching the Utica Comets game and he had two goals tonight. That's Justin Bailey. And we'll be talking about him later on for sure, later in the program. Uh, Let's talk about Brock Besser. Mm, yeah, lots to talk about with Brock Besser. He's moved down to the third line. Um, you know, it's an interesting one because we've seen Jake been thrown onto the, you know, in practice, he gets thrown up to the first line every once in a while. The other last time he didn't get a chance to play, but he hops in and, and a lot of people are saying like, what's wrong with Brock Besser? What's he not doing this year? And the crazy thing is he's almost a point per game. Like he's got 43 points in the 48 games. And I know we wanted to touch on him last week a little bit. And then it seemed like he kind of just went off over this past week, which was awesome to see. Um, and I love I love the fact that they can move him up and down the lineup a little bit. Maybe he doesn't have to play with PD and JT Miller. It was like what we were talking about off air a little bit was I think the pair right now is PD and Miller. And maybe Bester doesn't really have a pair anymore. I, I don't see why they don't just put him on that line with Bo Horvat, though. Like Bo Horvat, Pearson, and Bester is a second line that I wouldn't mind seeing. If you're going to throw Jake into your top six, it's it's like you're you know you're adding a top six guy out of nowhere. So maybe one of your other t- top six guys goes and plays on the other line in the top six. They don't have Louis Erickson out there, but I mean Louis Erickson's been effective, I guess you could say. But then again, Louis Erickson playing in our top six isn't really ideal for this Canucks team. I think the Canucks also need to look long term, and you know we're going to talk about Louis Erickson later. I've got a big article on him dropping, believe it or not, but. Uh... Yeah, is anybody need- excited for that? <laughs> <laughs> I, I know Daniel Wagner is. There I you hope. Go. <laughs> um, no, but I think the Canucks need to be looking long term. Still, right? This, you know, they're still coming out of a rebuild. Their core is young. You know, Louis Erickson just isn't the long term plan for mm. Bo Horvat. It's no secret. Louis Erickson knows that. Um, but you know, a Brock Besser potentially could be. So you want to go with what's working. And right now, Louis Erickson is working. You got to give him credit. Like he has played well. And you know, um, I know I'm going to be turning into a Louis Erickson apologist when this uh, article <laughs> drops like I know I'm going to get some heat for it but I, I you know he's played well and you can't really dispute that is he's played well but then you also look and you know going back to Brandon Sutter I think it was Jeff Patterson that just brought this up on the radio was you know there's there's the option of putting Brandon Sutter on the second line mm-hmm. alongside Bo Horvat he gives you all the defensive capabilities that Louis Erickson has right skates better shoots better I, th- I think Brandon Sutter might even be a better option than Erickson, but then again, I think Brock Besser, who's up to 43 points, 16 of which are goals in 48 games this season, I think he's a better option than both of those guys. Yeah, and I guess you got to really think about what the second line is playing like and what the third line is playing like, because the second line, it's got Bo Horvat, he's going to match up against the other team's best line every single night, so maybe using Brock Besser on that line isn't the smartest idea, maybe that's why Louis Erickson is succeeding in that role, because that seems like that was what Louis was kind of brought in to be, he was a, a guy who had a good two-way game who could score some garbage goals, and the fact that he's playing on that second line, that's probably why it's working, because he's matching up against other teams' best lines, and he's playing a game where he has to be a defensive player. Yeah, exactly, He's been he's been in that role, but on the beagle line and they don't have a two-way game the beagle line is you know you know i was just talking about isn't they're all defensive mostly (laughs) like that's that's all they do is play the defensive game we got that puck in deep good job boys but bo horvat on the other hand bo horvat can score some goals and you know tanner pearson as well tanner pearson is a top six winger on this team so to put louis erickson in that position yeah maybe that's why we're seeing him succeed Mm -hmm. i i was uh succeeding with my louis erickson stick that i bought uh last weekend at the equipment sale 
Uh, I had, you know, obviously the crazy snow that we had over this past week in uh, Vancouver, uh, which, you know, it's kind of funny for the rest of the nation and uh, to look at us and see like hashtag BC storm or hashtag Vancouver snow uh, trending all over Canada because most people were just kind of making fun of us over here in Vancouver. But I used the Louis Erickson stick uh, to get some snow off the top of my truck. Uh, so that might be the most action that stick has had <laughs> since I bought it uh, last week for sure, but maybe even when he had it on the ice as well. So I'm putting it to use. Uh, I got Holy that uh, got that Louis Erickson stick. And, you know, funny story, when we go out and buy these, you and me were looking in there. There was broken sticks, $25 rack. We're looking out of it. I'm just like, hey, there's a lot of broken sticks. And there was one that was sticking out, like literally. And it was just like, wow, that stick's not broken at all. And then I look on the name thing on it, and it's like, L. Erickson. And I was just like, <laughs> how perfect is it that this stick is in the broken stick section and it looks completely fine? And like, after looking at it for a while, there's like a little tiny little crack on the bottom heel of the stick. And I was just like, wow, like, I, I can't turn this down. Like, this is just a perfect opportunity. I was hoping it was going to make its way to Reddit because I know how those Reddit folk just love Louis Erickson. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was definitely cool. I know that we found some sweet stuff for the equipment sale as well. You picked up a couple things. I got uh, this shirt that I'm wearing right now, draft shirt. Uh, it was, yeah, it was pretty fun over there, but man, going down in that locker room, that place stunk, eh? Like it was cool, but man, that locker room stunk. Well, you look at the, it was in the visiting dressing room for those that don't know. We went to the equipment sale at Rogers Arena is what we're talking about right now. Uh, and the whole sale was in the visiting dressing room and holy shit. I don't, I don't know if you've been in the Canucks home, home room. No, I haven't. No. It is like a state-of-the-art facility, like, fucking, you could live in there, okay? And this visiting dressing room, like, I've seen nicer visiting dressing rooms in, like, Bill Copeland in Burnaby. Like, there's nicer dressing rooms all over the place. And, like, this was, yeah, it was, it, it stunk, man. It, yeah. was, it was brutal. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that, that sale, that was awesome. We got some good stuff. Uh, we're going to be giving a lot of it away to our Patreon supporters. That was the main reason we went, was to find some stuff for the Patreon. Yeah. And we actually found something. Can we... Tell them what the item is. Yeah, I think, I think so. we might as well tell people about what the Patreon deal is. Um, for the people that are going to donate ten dollars, become our hero tier members, which uh, is going to get you guys giveaways every single month. This month, we're going to do a big giveaway for everyone who joins as a hero tier member in January. Um, for everyone that joins in January as well, we're going to send out T-shirts. We're going to send out like a kind of variety pack. We have a couple things picked out. We found some hockey cards. Uh, we found some other gifts, and the puck is what we're going to be giving away with the first. Yeah, one. We can talk about that. The one, the one person, one person is going to get a Alex. Burroughs Ring of Honor Night Puck. It has the inscription on it, and it looks really cool. Um, we picked that up, and we're going to be slipping it into one random person's um, package and then s- sending it off to them. So everybody's going to get something. Kind of sounds it's, dirty. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a nice nice little treat for everybody. We're going to get shirts in there, cars. We bought a whole bunch of stuff. And then from every month going forward, we're going to do a giveaway of one item for uh, one su- one subscriber in the hero tier each month, and yeah, we bought a lot of good shit, man. I'm we, really uh, really excited. We really did, and we'll we'll touch on some other Patreon stuff later because we got some awesome interviews next week. But uh, you got to talk about the puck that you bought because how cool is that buying that game puck? Yeah, so it, uh, Faber Faber made me get it, but it was the uh, it was the Botchford night that I went to the November 16th game against the Avalanche. Uh, it was the warm up puck. They were selling them mm. for like five bucks, and I was like, okay, well that was my night, so I got to go. And you know, I still have my press pass from that night, just sitting on my awesome, bookshelf. Yeah. You know, I have I took it off the night I got home and just left it there, and it's still there. So maybe I'll maybe I'll like hang it up with the puck or something, do something nice. Um, with the Botchford night and everything that how great that night was really it was it was an awesome oh, man awesome that's night. you're set up to make like an awesome piece of memorabilia for yourself plus like you know you throw the picture that you got with cat 
in there, like Cat Botchford. Like oh, you throw yeah, that picture totally together, like that. You, you got a perfect little thing. So yeah, that's awesome. Man. The one with Alfred and Jeff as yeah. well and Drance. That well, was, yeah. yeah. Going in there, you're like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, yeah. Quads, we're not leaving this table until you buy this puck. Dude. Yeah, you well, I'm cheap. Puck. I just bought Domino's. We got to talk <laughs> about that too. I bought Domino's and Chris is ro- roasting me well, on Twitter. Yeah, the, the for people who don't know, like the first day I came over to Vancouver, you and me went to Pasto More and I was stoked. Like you're an Italian guy. I wanted to go to the good Italian restaurant and I told you, like I've never been to an Italian restaurant from the island. Like the most Italian restaurant we have is Boston Pizza on Nanaimo. <laughs> so like actually going to an actual Italian restaurant was sweet. And then when you text me and you're like, hey, do you want to get some pizza? Well, I'll pick up some pizza and come in. I was like, hell yeah. I was expecting you to pick up like a capocoyo or some sort of like <laughs> some sort of real good tasting pizza with some like crazy meats on it. And then I was like, oh, I was actually like, when you text me that, I looked at the pasta and more I menu and I was looking at the pizzas and I was like, oh, they got a ham and pineapple one. Give me a ham and pineapple. <laughs> and then when you said Domino's is cheap, I was just like, what the hell? I think you lost your Italian card. Like, Next next week you're gonna be putting sour cream on pizza, man. <laughs> I'll never never ever do that. But yeah, no, it it was cheap, man. I was I was in between this place called Pizza Factory mm. in Coquitlam. I was between that and uh, and Domino's, but Domino's had that two for seven ninety nine. We each got a pizza each for seven ninety nine. You can't beat that, man. No, you, you can't, can't beat, beat that value. And I'm looking for value out there. That's the kind of players I look for in the NHL. That's the kind of pizza I'm looking for, man. So that's why I went with Domino's today. Mm, we had Pizza Hut the other day because it was uh, buy one pizza, get your next three for $5 each or something. So, yeah, like we're feeding the family. We just got one big stuffed crust pizza, and then you get the rest for five. So I'm surprised you didn't pull that move off. But then again, like I know I ate a lot of that pizza, but I don't think we would have put away four pizzas in here. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we would have been able to. No. Janitor <laughs> might get in on it. We can get everyone involved. Late night here at BCIT. <laughs> yeah, that we'll just let that bring us into an ad. So... Now here's an ad from our the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing. And we got to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor Parallel 49 Brewing Company. Make sure to check out their East Van location. You can find it at 1950 Triumph Street. I'm going to be down there this week meeting with some of the folks there. Uh, we might be setting up an idea for a meetup if you guys are interested, but the beers that I want to shout out this week are the Jerkface 9000. The last time I had that, I was at BC Place watching a women's soccer game, and it's an absolutely delicious beer, and it's pretty awesome that they are now involved with BC Place, and I hope that they get to Canucks game soon. If they are, uh, if you guys see any parallel beers at uh, Canucks game, let me know because I haven't been in a few games. Uh, so make sure you go and try the Jerkface 9000. That is a Northwest Wheat Ale, and the other one I want to shout out is the Trash Panda. Uh, I think they call it Trashy Tuesdays. You go out and uh, have yourself a Trash Panda on a Tuesday. It is a hazy IPA. That's a hazy Indian pale ale. And it's absolutely delicious. A couple of the more simple beers, I guess. But these are ones that are available year-round for you guys. So go out and try the Jerk Face and the Trash Panda. All from Parallel 49 Brewing Company. You can find them on Twitter at Parallel49Beer. I don't drink, but if I did, it certainly would be Parallel 49 Brewing Beer. Uh, Chris, let's jump right back into our next topic, and that is Jake Vertanen, who is, as you wrote on our sheet here, so hot right now. Talk about so Jake. Hot right now. Yeah, he. Uh, I've I've liked Jake Vertanen's game a lot this year. Obviously, I was there at training camp when he was you know out of shape and being put on that third group. But I think that what he's been able to do lately has been so impressive, and I think he got to that point because of the five on five success that he was having early on in the season. I mean, there was times where this team really struggled to score at five on five, but it seems like Jake Vertanen is one of the guys who's been able to, you know, succeed at five on five. And now he's giving an opportunity on the power play. Uh, his last 16 games, he's got seven goals. So, I mean, the guy's riding a hot hand right now. He's, and in those games, like he's under 14 minutes, a game of ice time. So when he gets an opportunity to play with these guys like JT Miller and Elias Pedersen, like I, I'm excited to see what he can do because if he plays the Jake Vertanen game that we all want to see, which is put your head down, drive to the net, you know, lay some hits, be good on a four check. 
he can play that type of game, he's going to get a lot of opportunities playing with JT Miller and Elias Pettersson. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Are you sold on Jake Vertanen, though? Because I'm actually not yet. I, I think we talked about this last week, and we were talking about it like, I think this is a hot streak, and I think we're going to be having this conversation again next year, potentially. I don't yeah. think this is sustainable for Jake Vertanen, and I don't think that long-term he's going to be able to produce like he is right now. Mm-hmm. I think that Jake Vertanen has put himself in a spot right now where if he's making $2.5 million, like I mentioned last week on the show, if he's making $2.5 million and he's playing on your third line, he's a kind of guy that you want on your third line because he does go on these streaks like he's on right now. And it seems like if, if this is going to be more of the norm than the irregular thing that happens with Jake Vertanen, like I'm excited to see him play in that role. Maybe you know I'm not sold on him being the guy that should be on that Pedersen and Miller line long-term for sure. But I think that's something that you want to bring up here is you know maybe he's on that line to be showcased a little bit more, right? Yeah, I think now is like a great time to sell high on him. I still, I'm still under the impression that the organization isn't going to do that. I think yeah. it's more of a, um, an attitude of okay, we let this guy develop. We went through all these bad years with him. Now he's finally developed. Now we're not going to let go of him, which is you know it's totally fair. It's a totally fair um, feeling to have about a player that you've invested so much into. Mm-hmm. I just think yeah, teams might if teams are calling on Jake for ten and you know. The Canucks were looking to trade him last year. Like that was well known, the whole Tyson Berry fiasco and everything that was happening with the Jake Vertanen trade rumors and all that. So it's not like this team won't trade Jake Vertanen. I just hope if they do, now's the time they do it because his value is definitely higher now. And again, he's being showcased on a line with Elias Pettersson. That's a great first line for the for the Canucks so yeah. far. And teams are seeing that for sure, and they're seeing what Jake Vertanen is doing on that line. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe it's it's something that a lot of people talked about was you know power forwards take a long time to develop, and I think he's at the point right now in his career where he's sitting at 23 years old. This is when the power forward needs to turn the corner, and if he's turning the corner right now, I wouldn't want to trade him because if this is him turning the corner, imagine what he's like when he gets around that corner. If he's at 25, 26 years old, and he gets it, like how long have we been waiting for Jake Vertanen just to get it? And it seems like he's turning that corner, right? Like he's scoring amount of goals. He's going to be a twenty goal scorer this year, definitely. Like he's putting up the numbers. I think it's you know people are probably going to start talking about twenty five goals pretty damn soon here because not only do you know people in Vancouver love Jake Vertanen because he's a local kid, but he gets in these hot streaks. And I know he's probably going to slow down here over the pa- in the next little bit. But I think that the stuff that we're seeing him do on the third line is actually pretty sustainable. I mean, he's he's playing with a guy like uh, Adam Gaudet, and though they don't really control a lot of the shot share, the pucks in their zone a lot of the times when the pucks in the offensive zone they're putting up pretty good numbers i mean they're they're pdo which measures basically luck like if you're a high pdo you're not getting lucky if you're a low pdo you're not getting lucky enough i just messed that up completely wrong but yeah if you're uh so like they're sitting on the ice the on ice shooting percentage is eight percent which is you know relatively low i would say it's it's not high but it's not low it's it's about average so this is what we're going to get out of this like line when he's playing with adam godet and antoine Roussel, and if Jake Vertanen is the type of player that I don't mind throwing up and do the top six every once in a while. Like, cause that's something that Travis Green talked about in training camp. Like, he doesn't need to have 60 great games from Jake Vertanen. He doesn't need 60 excellent games. He doesn't even need 50. He just needs 60 good games from Jake Vertanen. And this might be the first year that we see 60 good games out of Jake Vertanen. And if that's what we're going to see for the norm moving forward, if he's at least 60 good games every year, that's a guy that I don't want to trade away. No, I totally agree with you on that. Like, if this is sustainable, and he can keep it up. It could turn into a whole other, you know, they all talk about it, the Cam Neely, the Todd Bertuzzi situation, whatever. Like, Todd Bertuzzi was traded away to the Canucks, yeah. <laughs> so that worked in their favor. But the Cam Neely situation, like, you know, you trade away a young power forward, and then he finds success somewhere else. But, you know, 
a lot of people will tell you Jake Vertan is just not a power forward, and that's not his game. Yeah. Um. So you know what? I'm skeptical, but yeah, for now, let's go shotgun Jake, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm all for it. Well, I mean, and you mentioned selling high, and I think that there are certain times when you want to sell high. If this team was not competing for a playoff spot, you know, right now, or if they weren't sitting in a playoff spot right now, it might be a good idea to sell high. You know, like last year, if Jake was doing this last year, it might be a good idea to sell high. But right now. Where this team's at in the rebuild means so much about the trades that you're going to make, which is strange because the trades that they made put them into the spot of where they're at in the rebuild and kind of ended it with what they did with JT Miller and signing Myers. Like They went out and they've set their own course to where they are at in the rebuild, which is over. The rebuild's over. They're not looking to add any more draft picks. Like Not like they did <laughs> add any draft picks over the years, <laughs> but I mean, like they're not looking to add draft picks. Um, I think that some of these young guys that we have on this team are going to be the ones that we want to see play here when they're 25, 26, 27, and that's when you're going to want to see them compete for a cup. I mean, like, Jake Vertanen's not young like he was anymore. He's 23 years old, which is so funny to say that he's not one of the young guys anymore, but having a 23-year-old as kind of, like, the next level of your core, like, he, Jake Vertanen is not the core anymore. Maybe a lot of people thought he was going to be, and a lot of people thought he might pan out to be a top-six guy, but with the players that have come in and the players that are coming in, Jake Vertanen is not really a core foundational player anymore. He's no Brandon Sutter, right? And, like, he's the type of guy that definitely can help your team, and he's the type of guy that you want to see in the playoffs. You mentioned it earlier. Like, what happens if Jake does have excellent games in the playoffs? And he might, like... He might just want to rep for Vancouver. Like, wait till you feel like the emotion of the city for a home playoff game and Jake lived down the street and he gets it. Like, he's going to get Vancouver behind him on the power, you know, on on a playoff game, right? And I'm just so excited to see that happen that I don't think the value that you would get back is worth it for Jake Vertanen right now. Unless someone comes at you with like a first. Yeah, and no, and that's the right? thing is the Canucks, like, from what I've heard, is that the Canucks price is really high on Jake Vertanen, as it should be. They shouldn't mm-hmm. sell this kid for nothing. Like, I'm totally for that. they got to play hardball if they're even thinking about selling him. Because if you're going to trade him, you don't want to take back scraps because it's not worth it. You're not going to, you don't need to, you don't need to trade Jake Vertanen yep. right now. If it's a great deal, then sure. That's why I say sell high, right? Because it has to be high, a high value return. <laughs> um, that's the whole point of sell high. But yeah, in the playoffs, I think Jake Vertanen could really surprise a lot of people. Big time. And I think, yeah, like you just said, with that beautiful speech you just gave. I like talking city. about Jake like a lot. <laughs> yeah, you do. The city getting behind him and he puts the city on his back. It's yeah. just, yeah, no, you, you gave me goosebumps, man. That's, I, uh, the that's other thing great. I wanted to bring up too, when he is playing with Pedersen, it's not like he's played a ton of minutes with Pedersen. He's played about 80 minutes of five on five. And their on-ice shooting percentage when those two are on the ice together sitting under 5%, which is just bad. Like, they are going to score a lot more if they do keep playing together. I think that's going to bounce out a little bit. Like you mentioned, maybe it gets up to 8%. That's two, three more goals every couple minutes, like, in that 70 minutes. And that's when I think we're going to start to see even more people maybe talk about a trade. Because if Jake starts playing with, with Pedersen and JT Miller... Like we mentioned earlier in this conversation, that's the pair. It's JT Miller and Pedersen. Jake's just going to be the piece that mixes in there every once in a while. And I like that he can do that. Like, he doesn't have to be the guy. It, the line's probably better with Brock Besser on it. Right? Like, I, I, it's not really a hot take to say that. The line's better with Brock Besser there. But if Brock Besser can find a little bit of success with Godet and Roussel, like, hell, why not have Jake up there? It's another free guy to have up on that line. Or like we talked about earlier, maybe Brock goes and plays with Bo because they've played together and that would be a pair I would like to see as well. There's so many options, and that's the thing is it's not it's no longer a top six, bottom six. Thank 
God. Mm. It's now a top nine, right? And it's a top nine forward group, and the Canucks want three lines, at least three lines, that can score. And that's what you get when you put Brock Besser on that third line alongside Adam Gaudet and Antoine Roussel. You have a third line that can score and can produce offense. Yeah. And that's what the Canucks wanted. So, yeah, they kind of balance it out with that. And, yeah, I've liked Jake Furtano on that first line. I've got to be honest. Yeah, and even if even if that third line is inconsistent, it, I mean, they're still the third line. Even though they're they're technically like the second scoring line because like we talked about earlier, Bo Horvat line, that's going to be the line that matches up. So they kind of are expected to score goals. Like they're not expected to not allow goals, right? Like they just want to go out there and score goals if it's got at Furtano and, and uh, Roussel. But man, you put Brock on that line and Brock's, you know, a lot better shooter than Jake is. Uh, even though Jake's been putting some, you know, he's had some good games this year, definitely, and he's had some good shots. But if that third line with Brock Besser on it can be, you know, Brock Besser's a streaky guy. He goes on these runs where he scores a bunch of goals in a few games, and then he, he'll be quiet on the goals for a little bit. This year he's been good at getting points. He's just been adding assists on the power play and playing on that lotto line. But that's the thing. If your third line's inconsistent, it's it's not really a bad thing because a lot of third lines in the NHL are inconsistent. Moving on here, we got to talk about this fourth line, Chris. Mm-hmm. We have to talk about this fourth line. <laughs> Brandon Sutter, we've already talked about, made his return to the lineup last night in last night's game, and he performed very well. Tim Schaller sat in the press box, and that's one player I kind of want to talk about, and I don't want to come pick on Tim Schaller, but, you know, the shine has really wore off on Tim Schaller. Like, at the start of the year when he scored those four goals, uh, people were starting, you know, the stone-cold Tim Schaller movement was starting <laughs> to take over Rogers Arena. They yeah. made the graphic for him and everything. That was that was pretty awesome. But, uh, no, I think the shine's kind of wore off on Tim Schaller. He's not producing anything now in the offensive zone, and he's just okay in the defensive zone. I don't think he's done anything remarkable and you know he's not a fast player or anything and Mott brings so much speed to that line and you know now Brandon Sutter's back but one player that I wanted to talk about and I told people we would talk about it later is Justin Bailey in the minors he's with the Utica Comets right now and man that guy he just scored another hat trick tonight <laughs> it's hilarious unbelievable I'm saying if Brandon Sutter goes down or Tyler Mott goes down somebody on that fourth line goes down and the Canucks need a fourth line replacement you got to call up Justin Bailey, and right. you got to give him a good long look. Yeah, lots, and, you know, lots to take in there on that fourth line. You know, Tim Schaller is starting to become Tim Schaller again, right? Like Tim Schaller last year was a guy who barely got into this lineup. Um, and what you just mentioned with Bailey, yeah. So people who don't know, uh, Justin Bailey has three hat tricks in his last four games. Uh, which is absolutely insane. And later on with Corey, he, I, I already know Corey's excited because he's texting me in all caps and all exclamation points. Like he's ready to roll. So we'll get to that soon. But I, I think that, you know, when you go and you score nine goals in four games, you probably jump a lot of people in the depth chart. Like Justin Bailey has likely jumped Zach McEwen. You know, he's, you know, Zach McEwen was the guy who gets called up to be the fourth line replacement or, for sure. Or even a guy that got to play with Bo Horvat. Like you're, you're right. Like if Louis starts sucking again, like, why not give Justin Bailey around that line? You're literally using Louis Erickson on your second line. You can use anybody at this point. If you're going to throw Louis up in your top six, like, there's almost anyone you could try from this Utica team that would probably do just as fine. I mean, I've said, you know, obviously Louis is a good two-way player, and Justin Bailey has some things to work on in his two-way game. Like, he's fast as hell. He might need to be a little bit for, more physical, and he's 6'4". Like, he's a big guy. That's the only thing that I've wanted to see from him from watching the comments is, a little bit more physicality, but you do bring up a good point. Like he flies like the wind, and I think something that you're talking about a lot lately is that if Tyler Mott, you know, who's a pretty good skater in his own, if he's playing with uh, with Justin Bailey on his other wing. Like that's a fast line. That's gonna be a good forechecking line. That's an aggressive forechecking line, and you know, Mott's generated chances. And even last mm-hmm. night, Brandon Sutter was hustling out there, man. Like he was 
hustling, and he was hard on the forecheck, and it was good to see. Yeah. But yeah, you put uh, Justin Bailey on that line with Tyler Mott, and then you have Jay Beagle in the middle. You know, he's obviously slower than the two guys we just mentioned, <laughs> but just that's a, a fast fourth line. And you know what I want to mention about you? You know, you just brought up him playing with Horvat. And the reason that I personally believe that he's a better option for the NHL than Reed Boucher is I think Reed Boucher's skating. Reed Boucher is not as fast as Justin Bailey. Yeah, not even close. NHL is a league where speed dominates, right? And to have a player that you compared to the Connor McDavid speed of the AHL, right? Yeah, he moves around around AHL skaters similar to how Connor McDavid does against NHL skaters, which, you know, isn't, it's not saying that Justin Bailey is Connor McDavid's speed. But he moves around them like Connor McDavid does. Like when he he doesn't need a step on a guy, he needs to be like have you know the guy needs to have one step on him, and he's probably by him. It's if, like if the, it's one step. the first three steps. Yeah, it's it's huge for Bailey. And yeah. you know, I was just watching the game with you, and you see it right away, like mm-hmm. how he gets around guys, and like just the way he skates out there. I think that yeah, he is worth a look on the second line if the Canucks do need a call up. You know, he's be- I'd say he's better than a Zach McEwen. He's a better option than a Zach McEwen right now. Better than a Reed Boucher, and I, you know, as much as it pains me to say it, he's better than a Nikolai Goldobin right now, Ooh, Chris. Yeah, well, I mean, he he is in certain situations. Well, you know, you got to ride the hot hand, and uh, I'll be surprised if we can get Corey to say uh, that he's <laughs> a call up over Zach McEwen. If uh, we'll see what Corey has to say, but Corey's got a great nickname for him as well, uh, the gentleman. The uh, gentleman, he's the gentleman. For people who don't get that, uh, Justin Bailey normally his his celebration with a lot of guys on the bench or even after the game, you you see him take his glove off and he shakes hands. That's that's like his sort of uh, that's his thing. So I love that nickname by Corey. Corey's obviously you know the king of nicknames uh, with that Utica Comets team. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to be excited about Justin Bailey just from what he's been doing lately because he's a guy that I didn't know a ton about at the start of the year. I knew that he was going to be a Comet. Um, and then when I first got my AHL TV package, I just saw him flying down the wing. And uh, people who have listened to this show and listened to the Riding the Bus segment with Corey Hergott know that we've praised Justin Bailey a lot for his games, but it seems like he he's not really the most consistent as well. Like he's Obviously, he's got three hat tricks in four games. That's incredible. But what did he have before that? I think he had um, 12 goals going into that. I mean, that's that's not a ton of goals. And, I mean, he's he's had a really good run. But, like I said, he had 12 goals in his first 34 games or so. So, you know, that's that's okay in the AHL. But now that he's up to 21 and 40, I think he's on pace for, like, 46 goals or something ridiculous now. Yeah, exactly. And I just look at it like if he can hold his own in the defensive end, which, you know, obviously he needs to work on it. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Corey about that off air. Um, he does need to work on his defensive game. He is being used on the Utica penalty kill, however. So, you know, they use a Tim Schaller on the penalty kill. And, you know, you give Justin Bailey, a younger player, some reps on the penalty kill, see how he does. And even if he doesn't produce offense for the fourth line, he's still a fast skater and he's still a solid skater. And that's going to be very good for the fourth line in their forechecking efforts, which is well, what I like to see. And, and, I mean, the fourth line conversation, we can even expand it to other things because, like, Look at how much money is being spent on that fourth line, and how much worse is your fourth line if it's Tyler Mott at center, Justin Bailey on the wing, and Zach McEwen on the other wing? Like, how much worse is that than Tyler Mott, Jay Beagle, and Brandon Sutter? Like, you're going to lose a little bit of penalty killing, obviously, with Jay Beagle. He's he's an excellent penalty killer. Like, give him that. He's a great penalty killer. But how much worse is it? And think about how much money it is less. It's it's a lot less money. I mean, it's about six million dollars off the cap if you go down to those other three guys in that spot. And that's kind of what I want a fourth line to be. 
You know, I don't need your fourth line doesn't need to be relied on that much. Like they're not playing a ton of minutes. Worry about your top nine group being effective and fill your bottom fourth line with guys that can maybe be effective for you that you can rotate. And this is what it's like when your organization actually has depth. You can try a bunch of different guys. You know, if we had if we didn't have Jay Beagle and Brandon Sutter right now, we would see Justin Bailey. We would see Zach McEwen. And I think a lot of people want to see these guys because they just have potential. Like, why not have guys that have potential on your fourth line? It just makes so much more sense to me than going out and signing fourth line guys to three and four year deals with decent money thrown into them. It just, I don't know, that just doesn't add up to me, I guess. No, that's totally fair. You just, yeah, dude, if Botch were here, he'd be saying, uh, yeah, yeah, I want to fist bump you right now, like he does in our intro. That's, yeah. yeah, man, that's, uh, yeah, no, you're totally right. But with that, let's just let that take us into our riding the bus segment with Corey Hergott. McEwen into the goal and he scores! What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy shake. All right, guys, joining us now for the Ride in the Bus segment is Corey Hergott. Corey, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Quads, we just uh, came off of a pretty big uh, win for the Utica Comets tonight, so uh, I'm a happy uh, Comets Corey today. Yes, for sure. And one player Chris and I were just talking about was Justin Bailey, and he had a hat trick tonight. Why don't you kind of talk about his game tonight? Well, that's his uh, third hat trick in his last four games. The guys, he's just on fire right now. Um, I made a little bit of a joke about it, but uh, I, uh, I nicknamed him uh, the gentleman due to his uh, his handshake uh, celebration that he does after his goals, and uh, he's got three hat tricks since then. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of credit for this, at least anyway. But uh, on a more serious note, no, he's up to uh, 34 points now in 40 games. He's 15th overall in the league, uh, one point behind his uh, his little brother, as he's calling him now, Cole Lind. Uh, so that's an interesting dynamic. Those two have really formed some uh, fantastic chemistry. And uh, with 22 goals now, Bailey is one shy of his career high. And he's tied for second overall in the AHL with Reed Boucher for goal scored. So, uh, you know, that's a guy that's, you know, he's done some pretty big things this year for the Comets. And, and uh, yeah, I spoke with him at training camp and he mentioned, you know, at 24 years old, this is the time for him to really start making a push you know, for legitimate NHL minutes. And, uh, you know, he's he's obviously pretty eager to do that. Yeah, and Corey, we've been talking about Justin Billy a lot this year. Uh, the way that I just, like we mentioned, we were just talking about him going into this segment. And the thing that I mentioned was he skates around AHL players similar to the way that Connor McDavid does against NHL players. Am I crazy saying that? No, not at all. He's, uh, 
if he's not the fastest skater in the American Hockey League, he's definitely one of them. Uh, he blows by guys like they're standing still on the regular, and, and uh, you know, it's it's a big part of his game. It, and Trent Cull talks about it all the time. It helps him drive play for his line. And when you've got a guy that can do that and put defensemen back on their heels the way he can, you know, that's a that's a pretty good tool to have in a toolbox that's six foot four and two hundred and you know twelve ish pounds. Uh, he's, he brings a lot to the table. And Corey, I know you and I were talking about it earlier today off air. Um, I was talking to you about maybe the potential of putting uh, Justin Bailey on the Canucks, the Canucks fourth line if a Brandon Sutter were to go down or if a Tyler Mott were to go down. I just personally think he's a better option than, per se, a Tim Schaller. Um, and I know you, you said he needs to work on his defensive game, but what else do you think he would bring to a fourth line for the Canucks? I actually don't think his defensive game is all that bad. I just uh, I, that's just not his his biggest strength. The, the Comets do use him on the penalty kill, and uh, again with with his speed, uh, that makes him a dangerous player, uh, shorthanded. So like not every defensive play is a shorthanded play, but he's a guy that can get back on the forecheck uh, uh, as quick as anybody. And uh, you know that that's something that I think the, the fourth line in Vancouver could use a guy that can get in hard on the forecheck, get back uh, fast on the back check and help his teammates out in all three zones. I, I think that's a, it's a feather in his cap. It's a guy that I think he's got a lot that he can bring to the table for the Canucks if they wanted to look at him in that sort of a role. And, uh, you know, as we spoke about earlier today, the idea of uh, if you had uh, Justin Bailey and, and Tyler Mott on the same line, the speed that they'd be able to bring together would be uh, something pretty special to watch, I think. And now, Corey, you and I talked about this earlier today. Was or no, Chris and I talked about this. Sorry, was uh, a Zach? Talk. Yeah, lots of lots of talk today. But uh, Zach McEwen is the guy that we've kind of seen as the call up for the Canucks if they need a call up. Would you say that it's safe to say that with these nine goals that Justin Bailey has just scored, would you safe to do you think it's safe to say that Justin Bailey has passed Zach McEwen on the Canucks depth chart? I don't know. That's a tough question. Uh, I have a bit of a soft spot for McEwen, so that's a, a bit of a tough one for me to answer. Um, I think right now, you know, you've got a guy in Justin Bailey that's uh, he's on fire. He's playing with a lot of confidence, and uh, you know, maybe he's he's a guy that you call up and get him into the lineup. Zach McEwen hasn't had a lot of games. I think he's a guy that needs to get some game time in. So if the team were to to swap those two around and actually play Justin Bailey at the NHL level, I wouldn't have an issue with that. I think Zach needs to get playing. I, I want to see him back on the ice. Uh, you know, getting his practices at the NHL level is is great for him, and that's that's one thing that's going to help. You know, help him on the maybe not on the ice, but uh, you know, his practice habits and that sort of a thing. I think he'll pick up good things while he's up. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, I I, I don't know that uh, Bailey is necessarily past McEwen on the depth chart, but I think he's a guy that maybe the team might think about putting into the lineup uh, sooner than later if they have an injury in that bottom six. Yeah, so he's picking up some good paychecks up here too, Corey. I know he's getting practice and tips, but the paychecks of the NHL are a little bit better. Um, I got a, I got a follow-up question here because uh, I think you saw it. I sent out the tweet today asking if anybody had any questions for you. There was a couple good ones that we, you know, there was a lot that we seem to talk about every week, but there's a couple ones that I wanted to dive in with you. Uh, the first one is from Grady Sass, who's from uh, TSN. His question is, how do you see Yasik's trajectory playing out? Potential call-up next season, or is he still too far down the depth chart? 
Well, I think the thing that we have to think about, and that's that's the hard thing for me to try to process all the time when people ask me, is this guy you know worthy of a call-up and, and that sort of a thing. Um, we have to think about who's actually on the big club roster. Uh, if we're just talking about does a player deserve a, a look or you know could he come up and play a you know a handful of games if the team needed him for an injury fill-in um then i think lucas yashik is probably putting himself in the conversation for that probably by mid-season uh next year wow. uh if we're talking about lucas yashik uh you know should he be called up and playing ahead of you know a, a jake vertanen or a tyler mott or a jay beagle or anybody that's currently really on the roster right now i'm not sure that i'm you know prepared to say yeah he's he's a better option than any of those guys at the moment yeah and you know the, uh, i guess like kind of going off of that we talked about bailey talked about yasik and the line that they're playing with together with cole lind i mean what where's that chemistry coming from with bailey and lind because like you mentioned he's calling him his little brother like they looked like they're playing very well together those two well that's one of my uh questions that i put into the the media scrum tonight in utica we'll see uh we'll see if i get an answer back from that i i did ask uh to put the question to both Bailey and Lynn, depending on uh, which guy came out for the scrum, uh, you know, about their chemistry. So we'll see where the answer comes from that. But, uh, you know, they've played quite a bit together and they seem to click well on the ice. Their, their games complement each other. Uh, you've got a guy like Bailey who, you know, he can get pucks in deep with his speed and, and Cole's a, a really turning into quite a nifty playmaker as well. Um, and those two, they just feed well off of each other. And uh, I think it's really good for Cole's development this year that he's found some chemistry with a guy like Bailey. And I think going forward, those two, you know, they're, if this team gets into the playoffs, uh, you've got guys like that that have been playing this well together for such a long stretch this year. If they're healthy, they're going to be dangerous. And, and I think Cole, Lind, and uh, well, I think Cole specifically has a chance to really make some noise this year in the playoffs for the Comets if they get there. So, Corey, we have a question here. We just found out today that Brogan Rafferty is going to be down for a bit with an injury. So the question is, since Brogan is out for a while, who do you think will pick up his scoring from the back end? Well, Ole Ulevi picked up a goal and an assist tonight, so uh, early early returns would be him. Uh, I think, you know, Brogan's season really took off offensively once he got the opportunity on the first unit power play when Ulevi missed those games with a sore hip. And uh, now Yul Levy tonight was back into that first unit power play for the first power play, but uh, Guillaume Brisebois slid into that spot on the next one. So we'll see where that goes going forward. Um, I do think Yul Levy's got the opportunity to pull up, put up uh, more points this year. Uh, his game's a lot more well-rounded uh, now at this point in the season than it was earlier in the year. I, I, I'm really liking a lot of what's going on with Yul Levy's game lately. He did get burned uh, again tonight uh, by a speedy forward on the penalty or on the power play. That seems to be a thing for him, and that might be what took him off the first unit. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, he is a guy that uh, those are the things that I think will clean up in his game once he's able to, you know, really skate properly. I think there's still issues with him from that hip and the knee issues and the back issues. Those are all areas that you want to have strong in your body if, you, if you're if you a good skater. And, uh, you know, those are areas that he's obviously had some issues with in recent years. Yeah, Corey, I was just I was on with the Nux Misconduct guys last week, and they asked about Ole Levy. And the thing that I was talking about was, you know, like his mind's never going to be the problem, but I wonder if him adjusting to his new body is going to end up being the problem. Because, you know, you talk about a back surgery, you talk about a knee surgery, those aren't 
I mean, they say they're minor surgeries, but if you're getting surgeries done to those parts of your body, it's not really minor at all. And I mean, that's the only thing that I think can hold him back. But for you, do you think that those injuries are going to limit him from what obviously it's going to limit him from hitting his top potential, but is it limiting him from being that top four guy for sure that we thought he was going to be? Uh, I think it, it it's possible that that could happen. Um, you know, I, I think that Oli definitely has the, the mentality to, you know, to play through it and to, you know, to get to where he needs to be. It's, uh, it's just whether or not that he's able to actually get there. And, and, you know, by this time next year, if he hasn't seen, you know, some decent minutes up in Vancouver, then, you know, then I think we need to be maybe a little bit uh, concerned about where his, uh, his future ends up. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, again, this is a situation where, you know, the left side, they've already got uh, Adler, Hughes and, and Ben under contract for next year. Uh, you know, you've got Guillaume Brisebois is going to need a new deal. Ashton Sautner is going to need a new deal on the on the left side, and and Ole's right there, and and you know possibly ready to to step in at least be the you know the the seventh D in Vancouver next year, uh, and kind of learn on the job up there. That's going to be an interesting turnover on the back end uh, next year in Utica. You've got guys like uh, Jet Wu that could be coming in, uh, possibly a, a Rathbone coming in. Uh, you know, maybe even a Tony uh, Utenin coming in. It's hard to say if, if he makes the trip across next year. But, uh, you know, Jalen Chatfield's going to need a deal, uh, Breezebaugh and Sautner. So there could be some turnover on the back end. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you and me were testing about that today. And we were just saying, like, man, this could this team could be a lot of fun next year. Um, the, the, final, the final question I have for you, Corey, and before I uh, get to it, I just want to give a quick shout out. You and me are going to be on Utica Station tomorrow, Utica ESPN. Uh, excited to do that with you. I know you've done it obviously a lot with those guys, but I'm excited for my first one. Yeah, Rain and Scoop are awesome, and uh, their producer Matt Page is a great guy as well. And uh, they they put on a good show there in Utica, and and I I like getting in on the pregame. Sometimes it can be a little bit a uh, little bit of pressure bumping up into uh, right up into the Comets game for me sometimes. But I really <laughs> like talking. I really like talking Comets with those guys. Uh, they're a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, tomorrow I think I might be on rinkwide with Andrew and Dylan as well, right ahead of that hit. So it, it could be a busy, uh, busy little stretch for me right before the game tomorrow. Well, you've had a busy week, Corey. You're on to Carison Price the other day. You're on with us every Friday, obviously. And yeah, no rest for the wicked. Well, if guys like Rafferty and uh, Bailey keep doing these uh, these things that they're doing, uh, more people in Vancouver kind of want to hear about that stuff, I guess. So, yeah, you, you can hear it in I Joe mean, Roberts talking about it a lot. He, I noticed a lot lately in the conversations he's mentioning Vancouver. Yeah, he's. Uh, I love Joe, man. That guy is so awesome. He's about to be a dad, like any time. So right. uh, I'm really, really excited for him on that front. Yeah. He's super, super entertaining, and uh, you know he makes uh, watching the Comets games a lot more fun than uh, maybe they used to be. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that was a long way of getting to my question. <laughs> um, uh, Zane McIntyre, after today, uh, his save percentage drops under 900. He let up the two goals on the first seven shots. Mikey DiPietro comes in and, you know, looks pretty damn good. Lets up the one goal, which was a tough one. I, I think I texted you because if he would have dove across and made that paddle save, that would have been absolutely everywhere. As soon as that happened, I was getting ready to gift that. Uh, but, I mean, Mikey's playing really good hockey. Like, he's up to 907 save percentage himself. He's under three for goals against. Like, it's a, it's been a 50-50 split so far. Do we get to a certain point this year where we see DiPietro get an actual run of games as a starter? Yeah, I think uh, I think that's probably not too far off. I, I, 
you know, I, I can't say for a hundred percent certainty because I'm not there in the building, but from all indications that I've seen, the coaching staff has a lot of trust in Mikey DiPietro and for good, for good reason. He's, uh, he's really stepped up to the plate this year. He's risen to the challenge. Uh, when Zane McIntyre was called up, Mikey DiPietro was the number one goalie. They didn't go to their veteran, Richard Bachman. They went, they went with DiPietro and, and gave him his run of three or four games or whatever it was while McIntyre was up. And I, I do see Mikey, uh, you know, taking the reins in the second half here and, and uh, taking the, the, the starter's role. It's going to be interesting on that side of things in Utica next year as well because McIntyre, his deal is up after this year. Uh, Bachman's deal is up after this season. Uh, so they'll have DiPietro there. Uh, Jake Kiley is uh, yeah, he's a restricted free agent at the end of this season, so it'll be interesting to see if they bring him back. But uh, I think Mikey DiPietro is certainly making a case to uh, take the starter's job. And if, you know, if they get into the playoffs and he falters, they've got a pretty decent uh, guy there in McIntyre or even Bachman to, uh, you know, to take over if needed. And just before we close out, Corey, I just wanted to get to one last question from the Twitters here. Uh, this is from Thomas Anderson, one of our Patreon supporters. He says, how has Gadjevich's game changed this year? And what does he have to do to get to the next progression of his development? And who do you think is going to take take their game to the next level in the second half. Okay, so with Gadjevich, I think uh, the biggest difference in his game this year has uh, just been confidence. He's uh, When he was in last year, he, he struggled to get into the lineup because he wasn't really ready for the American Hockey League. His flick speed is part of that issue, but it, it was just, uh, you know, bigger, stronger guys, and he had to adapt his game, uh, you know, to be able to impose his will on players the way he did in junior and and he's you know to his credit he's been able to do that uh this year he's clicking along at uh i think just under half a point a game right now which i think is uh for a guy that generally plays uh you know a third or a fourth line role uh with you know not the most skilled players uh, offensively in the lineup i think that that says a lot for what he can bring to the table um that said i think there's still a fair bit of work to do for him on his skating before you know i want to call him a guy that's going to knock on the door for an nhl job i do think he could possibly get there but i think it's going to take a little bit more work on his end with the skating uh, and as for who's going to step it up in the second half, that's going to be really interesting to see because there are so many names that, you know, you could list off, you know, guys are playing well right now. Do we, you know, if Cole Lind has a big second half, is that considered stepping up or just carrying over his first half? Right. So, uh, if we're thinking of somebody that maybe we're not expecting, uh, you know, we haven't seen a lot of Francis Perron this year because of his eye injury, uh, my understanding is he, he may not get 100% sight back in that eye, which is a little bit unfortunate, but it sounds like he's going to be back skating next week and, uh, you know, could be an option within a couple of weeks. And I think that's a guy that's going to be pretty hungry. He's uh, His contract is up at the end of the year, and he's going to want to prove that he can still play. Corey, have you seen Nikolai Goldobin's cut that he had, uh, that he suffered in the game? I saw the picture that somebody uh, tagged Chris in earlier. That's a pretty yeah. good... Uh, I think he took a stick in the face. I think that I didn't really catch 100% of the play. I just saw him uh, kind of spin around and go down, clutching his face behind the Comets net. Yeah, uh, we were watching the game. Yeah, we were watching the game, and we just, like, we didn't really see what happened. I think it was pretty far behind the play, but uh, you, you could tell, like, the play was moving, and Goldie was still down that whole time. 
Yeah, sometimes the officiating in the AHL leaves a little bit to be desired when you've got a guy, you know, laying on the ice, uh, picking his teeth up and leaking all over the place and the play's still continuing down the ice. Uh, he, he took a puck or a stick or, or a elbow or a shoulder. He took something up high. I mean, uh, the, the play probably should have been blown dead. Uh, there was another play where uh, Ashton Sautner... Um, he was injured, and uh, there was no whistle blown on that play either. It happens a fair bit in the American League, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, kudos to these guys that have to try to play through that stuff and scrape themselves off the ice and get back to the bench while the play is continuing on. Yeah, I'm just happy to see Goldie play a little bit of hard skill game that I like. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, uh, he made one of those egregious errors again tonight, though, that, uh, that right, happens. Well, that's enough so- time, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> It happens, though, man. It happens almost every game with him. I see him cough up a puck, and I think, okay, all the good stuff that he does, but that's the thing that Travis Green is going to say, nope, you're stapled to the bench. Yeah, no, you're (laughs) absolutely right, Corey. You're absolutely right. But, yeah, that actually ends our segment. It's not because you just dissed Goldie that we're we're closing up here. We've been doing it for about 20 minutes here. But, yes, thanks a lot, Corey, and we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, guys. Have a good weekend. You as well. And a huge thank you once again to Corey Hergott for joining us for Riding the Bus. Now to close things out here, Chris and I are just going to quickly talk about what we've been working on. So the thing that I've been working on personally is a Louis Erickson article. And, you know, I talked about it during the episode. I'm working on an article called Why Canucks Fans Cheer So Loudly for Louis Erickson. It's something I noticed when I was at the game. Something you even notice when you're watching these broadcasts. is Canucks (laughs) fans really cheer loudly for Louis Erickson when he does minimal things like... I don't want to say the little things, but when he does the little things like score an empty net goal or hustle to beat out an icing or, you know, shut down Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, which is, an, which is a situation that I point to in the article, Louis Erickson gets a lot of, gets a lot of cheers from Canucks fans. And, you know, he's, um, he'll never really go down as a fan favorite, I don't think, but I think he'll <laughs> go down as one of those people. It's like, well, you have to know who Louis Erickson is if you're a Canucks fan in 10 years. Everybody will still know who Louis Erickson is for sure. Yeah, Louis Erickson is a vibe. Uh, it's too bad. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned you're writing that for Bullis. You're leaving the Clown Army to go write an article somewhere. Yeah, I had I had it on good intention that I should leave Clown Army. So <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm not leaving. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually going to be ramping up the content quite a bit here. Like I I took a bit of a break after leaving Canuck Way. I kind of enjoyed my time off and I think that because of that it's been hard for me to kind of get into a groove with writing again but before like I was writing every day for like a whole year so now I'm really enjoying not doing that well doing that and you know writing like what you had to do the Canuck way was a lot of the smaller articles and doing that for a year can weigh on you but at the same time like you had also like one of the busiest weeks that anyone's ever had on Canucks Twitter for a while there with you know the Botchford project you coming to Canucks army and starting the podcast that you started at the time like that was a busy ass week for you man it was it was like one thing after another and like all my family was like aren't you going to get tired i'm like yeah maybe like <laughs> uh, i don't really know i hope not but yeah it was it was definitely a busy week so i think the break was a l- well deserved but i was really excited to get going on this podcast and you know get going at Pasadabulus and get going on Canucks army and really get into it like i'm gonna be able to start doing some post games and all that sort of stuff and i'm really excited to be having that bigger role at canucks army and then you know having the column at pastabulous all that good stuff but yeah that's what i'm working on right now is a louis erickson article do you find uh do you find yourself getting into grooves like when i'm writing articles uh if i'm writing like a big article that i'm working on i seem to always have like a bunch of other ideas so like normally you see it i guess when i put out one of my big like 2500 word articles like there's always a snapshots the next day because my snapshots are my little 500 word articles that i do i don't know if you do it too but like 
when I get into a groove, like I, I just can't stop one day, and then I, I like I need like three days of recovery almost. Yeah, like I, I'm like that. I don't know how much I need for recovery because like I feel like once I start getting into that groove, I don't stop. Yeah. And the groove, like you know, I was on a groove for like six months there, where I just <laughs> could, I had no problem coming up with content, and it was like. I was just going off. I don't know. It was like something else right there. But uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's it's a different process for everybody, I think. But for me, that's just you know, I, I guess I do pick up ideas and I yeah. go along with them. But that's the th- that's my problem. Is once I have the idea, I write about the idea right then and there. Like I'll I'll pause what I'm doing and start <laughs> writing it, and I'll get like six articles going at once. So yeah, stop breathing and just yeah, start writing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So yeah, trying to finish six articles at once was not an easy thing to do, but it's no. something I frequently do yeah no doubt well i wrote two articles this week as well if you want to check them out uh, i wrote about the defense core uh you know the the article title was the, def- the canucks defense hasn't been this good in a long time uh that's why i put out that strange poll question this week uh, about if it was better than the 2011 2012 defense uh, because i think that was the only defense that actually stacked up like over the past five years that might be better than the one that we had right now uh, so you can check that one on canucks army then i did a snapshots which was like so as I'm like going through all these stats about you know the defense, this is where this one popped up, and I was like, "Holy shit, I gotta write about this because the Canucks are ten zero and zero when they're outshot at home this year. So like they are winning so many games when just getting outshot by so much. Some games being outshot almost by two to one ratio. And I know when I think we were texting about this uh, when I found the stat, I had to text you about it, and you're just like Jacob Markstrom. I think because that was just after your Markstrom article came out, and uh, yeah, it was Jacob Markstrom. It was a high shooting percentage, but it's it's an interesting stat in the end. So I don't know if you guys want to read that, go for it. Uh, it's going to be on Canucks Army, um, but also um, I think I had a good week because I rounded up a couple of former Canucks to come on this show uh, next week. We're going to use one of the interviews. For this podcast form, it's going to be on episode 63 of the podcast. We're, I don't know where we're going to fit it in. Maybe in the middle, maybe at the end. We'll talk about that. But the other interview is going to be on our Patreon page. And since you're hosting quads, maybe you can let everybody know where to find it. Yeah, our, our Patreon page, <laughs> patreon.com slash Canucks Convo. Uh, yeah, you can find us on there. We've got the three tiers. We've got the one buck club, the $5 bonus content club, which gets you all the bonus content, which will include one of the interviews with one of these former Canucks. And if I were you, I would subscribe to our Patreon right away because this is something you don't want to miss. And like we said before, if you end, if you become a $10 hero tier um, Patreon subscriber in the month of January, you will receive a package from us that has a Canucks Convo t-shirt, some hockey cards, and you know if you're lucky, it'll have that Alex Burrows Ring of Honor night puck that we were talking about. I do have an update on the shirts. The shirts have arrived. They arrived at about 4.30 today as we're recording. So the shirts are in. I'll be posting about that uh, on social media. So, yeah, uh, we're going to have it as our pinned tweet uh, on the Canucks Convo account. So go follow at Canucks Convo. Uh, The other day we had 1040 listeners. So Thank you all once again for listening. I'm David Guadrelli, and for Chris Faber, this is the Canucks Conversation. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.